Hi folks, uh, here are our content warnings. Isn't this going to be fun? Um, cancer, ADHD, COVID, long COVID, uh, disability privilege, and um, uh, the Church of the LDS and Christianity. So there you go. If you find any of those topics, you know, triggering, you may wish to uh, skip this week. It's still a great episode, I will say. Uh, second order of business is we have animals several of them, right? Uh, all of which are pretending to be awake or pretending to be asleep. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, all the chickens are awake because it's just that time of day. But yeah, the dog, the cats, they, they can interrupt. And so uh, you are warned. The next thing to be warned about is we have a tendency to swear. We're not shy about it. Often I'm swearing at the cats because, uh, well, one of them in particular deserves it. And uh, that is all of the warnings for this week. Anyway, welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 312. It is a chemo week for Ursula, so she is napping. Uh, she will do a lot of napping this week and then be much more of her usual bouncy chip herself next week. This is just uh, how the, the cycle works. And so I'm not going to, you know say, hey, here's her big productivity update. She's doing what she needs to do to stay productive, which this week means resting. Resting is productive. When you feel unwell, resting is productive. Healing is productive. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Don't feel like you need to work through because of, you know, whatever reason. Just take the time you need to recuperate, to recover, no matter what the situation is. And really, that's about all I have this week. We had a rougher week last week. We had uh, the funeral for my uncle, who passed very suddenly. Um, uh, the man was 80-some years old, so it, it wasn't exactly sudden-sudden, but it was sudden in the one day, yes, and the next day, oh, shit, he's gone. Um, but, you know, we're all adapting, and, of course, we all put our uh, heartfelt... Um, condolences and offers to help to my aunt and cousin who are having to deal with everything. And I want to thank the prior guests who've talked about settling estates and this sort of thing, because it is proving very valuable to the entire family and just, you know, a plus plus gotta love that content. Uh, even if we don't love having these circumstances to need it. Uh, other than that, my productivity has been about normal um, so, you know, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Things just keep moving along and we keep moving along. So, hey, that's a short intro for this week, but that's okay. I have this amazing interview. I finally had a chance to sit down and catch up with Howard Taylor, the man who created and produced the Schlock Mercenary comment comic, not comment, comic, for 20 years, um, who has finally he wrapped the story, and so now they're going through all the other things that have to, but he is also dealing with uh, long COVID and has become a disability awareness activist as part of that, and so we have just a fantastic conversation and catch up with Howard right after this.
Hi, folks. I am overjoyed today because we have a returning guest, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, one of my favorite comic artists in the whole wide world, uh, Howard Taylor of Schlock Mercenary, and who did an amazing, if you didn't see it on Twitter, an amazing illustration for my copy of uh, Extreme Dungeon Mastery 2. Um, both of my primary warlock character and one of his chicken familiars. So for those of you who've been following on uh, following our D&D on Twitter, uh, this is this is just exciting for everybody. Um, also, Howard's one of the few people uh, we know professionally who I can show up at a con and say, hi, Howard, how's the wife and kids? Um, and not be, you know, that asshole trying to be overly familiar. Anyway, Howard, <laughs> can Hello, you... Kevin. <laughs> Can you introduce yourself better than I just did and tell us more about what you do? Uh, my name's Howard Taylor, and yes. I am allowed to unironically say that I'm yeah. best known for my magnum opus, Schlock Mercenary, because that comic ran for 20 years uninterrupted from uh, June 12th of 2000 to July 20th of 2020. Um, slap the end on it, and we are we are currently still building hard copies of those. Um, yes, and so that is that is the principal revenue stream here at Hypernode Media. Shay Taylor, um, uh, current non schlock mercenary projects include the uh, uh, brand new Feral Nerds Film Festival, which uh, I'm Ooh. working on in partnership with uh, the the main motive force of it is the guy the internet mostly knows as Captain Portland, um, the the guy who at the uh, uh, BLM protests in 2020 was assaulted by federal agents. And after they tear gassed him and sprayed stuff in his face and pounded on him with billy clubs, he was still standing and he managed to flip them <laughs> off with a broken hand um, and, uh, and became a Twitter celebrity. And of course. Uh, and so, and he and I are putting together, a, he and I and uh, his friend Lorene are putting together a sort of a virtual film festival thing. And it's very small right now. And we watched Airplane last night and that was hilarious, fun. Um, uh, I love that movie. Yes. Uh, I'm also still a host at uh, writingexcuses.com, the podcast for writers, um, and and those are those are the big things. Um, of late, I've become something of a uh, something of an advocate for uh, disability awareness and uh, awareness of the realities of long COVID. And we will oh, yeah. probably talk about that a lot during today's episode, because a huge portion of my productivity is impacted by the fact that I am functionally a disabled person now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's why I put the content warning in before the episode started, yep. which is kind of funny since we haven't recorded the actual intro outro yet. That's like a future thing. But the people who are listening now, right? Um, we will have recorded a trigger warning. Yes, or a content yes. warning. Um, also, you missed something about writing excuses. The Hugo Award-winning podcast, writing excuses. 
I'm allowed to forget that we won a Hugo Award if it was 11 years ago. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I, I just, I, I will never forget your face accepting that and being like, finally. So <laughs> that was fun. That was a, that was fun. That was a good year. Um, all right. Uh, so let's get right to the meat of it with all that going on and understanding you have these now extra concerns compared to last time we talked several years ago, pre-COVID, um, like pre-pandemic. Um, how do you keep it all organized and stay productive? Um, the same tools I used then work now. It is mm-hmm. now far more important that I that I keep track of these things. It's spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. You know, I use yes. I use spreadsheets all the time for project management. Um, it's a stupid hack, but learning to make color changing check boxes in a spreadsheet so that you can make your big list of tasks and you can break it down. You know, you can have tasks that expand Mm -hmm. onto other sheets and so on and so forth. And when you do a thing, you tick a checkbox and it turns green. Oh yeah. You get a little dopamine hit. And when you wake up in the morning and, you know, need to look at what's in front of you, Yes, you are greeted by this field of of red and green, but you can look at it and you can say, hey, that column is almost all the way green. What's that little red thing? Can I kill that? Oh, wait, yep. no, I can't kill that because that's waiting on something else. Okay, fine. What else can I kill? Um, that helps a lot, that, that, mm. sort, of, that sort of management. Um, uh, are you using Excel or Google Sheets? Or- I'm using Google Sheets. Okay. Um, I use Google Sheets, and Sandra and I share a uh, the project spreadsheet for um, uh, a little immortality. The the last, the most yeah. recent Schlock Mercenary book. Um, we have a. I'm gonna pull it up. I can't screen share it with you. I don't think That's, on Zencaster. I, I know yeah, nobody um, can see it, but right, 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 if, right, right, right. If I could talk about it while you were looking at it, that would be interesting. <laughs> Make it easier. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, eight major columns uh, and three major uh, row groups with. Um, half a dozen or more little line item things in each row group. Um, And everything now is green except for an animation where I need to provide keyframes to the animator and sketch editions where I have to do 470 artist choice sketches and another, (laughs) uh, another 150 maybe of, uh, of others, but I've already done, um, I've already done over 500. So. Yeah. 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 And being Man. able to look at a spreadsheet mm-hmm. and just come up with those numbers is so useful. It's, it's oh, yeah. a nightmare. It's a nightmare for creatives and 
and non-creatives alike to be faced with a project and someone asks, so where are we on the project? And you say, I don't know. Let me check my notes. And then you check your notes and you still don't know. Yes. Being able to pull up a spreadsheet and say, I don't know. Let me check my notes. And then 30 seconds later, I can say exactly, you know, the following deliverables are done. This deliverable is waiting on. Let's see. What's that check mark? Oh, that check mark is iterate which means I'm waiting on feedback from the coin designer right. so that we can iterate the design. Um, yes. Yeah. So that also, tool, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say also the, uh, the Patreon hyper supporter. I can't remember the exact name of it off the top of my head. Coin was absolutely fantastic. Uh, thank you. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> it's I, great. The designer came back to me. We went with we, the iteration uh, at mm-hmm. one point, they had they had the texture. Uh, they had the texture on the lines instead of on the the bed, uh, oh. and they they said, "Oh, you see, usually we put the texture in the lowest place." And I said, "Yeah, that's not how this works. This is supposed to look <laughs> like stone cut. Can you do that?" And they said, "Well, we can. We haven't done it before. Let's see how it turns out." And then they came back and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is so pretty." I mean, the guy yeah. sent me a video of him rotating the coin in his hand. It's like, yeah, this is so cool. And I felt very smug because, well, guys, I knew it was going to be pretty. That's why I <laughs> held out for doing it this way. Yes. Um, the whole concept of the uh, Hypernode, Hypernode Elite Stakeholders coin, yes. which is a way to say um, uh, it, it's, it's a way for patrons to say, Hey, we love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Here is extra money. Um, and you get to be a member of a club that gets a coin and yeah, yeah. name in the back of the book and whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, but yeah. But even again, then you're doing, when you were tracking that, you would have used the same method. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. The, uh, which um, pin, where is it? Yeah. Hash coin. <laughs> Thumbnail, iterate, line art, flats, final art, reverse text, front text, work with designer, iterate, approve, pay. So yeah. there was an iteration phase between me and Sandra uh, mm-hmm. where we came up with a design that we liked. And then there was this whole. That's, and there were so I, many things that bounced off of Sandra where she's like, I don't like this. This doesn't speak <laughs> to me. This isn't good. I don't like this one either. I, yeah, uh, yeah. And. And that's that's the thing which non-artists often don't get. You know, mm-hmm. when when you see an artist sit down and draw something and it looks perfect, I'm like, wow, that took you like 20 minutes. You're amazing. Yeah, it took me 20 minutes, but what you're watching me draw is something I've drawn before. Coming up with the right composition, the right character design or logo design yep. or whatever, I might spend months not being able to realize what goes into the product um, until one day I've got it. And that's why the spreadsheet is so important because the spreadsheet remembers which boxes I haven't picked (laughs) and I can come back to it and say, oh, that's right. That's where I was. And away we go. And away we go. Uh, (laughs) Cool. See, that's a piece of process I don't think we got into last time. So, I don't think we did. I don't think yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, all right. 
And then, so we've got the spreadsheets, we've got the other things you've used in the past, but there's got to be, I expect there's new things now because uh, cognitive impact from COVID is very real. And so, yeah. yeah. I have been fortunate in Mm -hmm. the cognitive impact has not manifested itself to the good degree that I actually feel brain fog. Right. I mean, we've probably all experienced being punchy or being drunk or being, wow, I'm so tired. I just can't think straight. Those are not, those are not disease things. Those are not, Mm -hmm. those are not necessarily abnormalities. They're conditions that, that any human can step into. I find that exhaustion, I step into it way more often than I should. And Ah. what we found with long COVID is Mm -hmm. that for my own part, it manifests in much the same way that uh, chronic chronic fatigue syndrome manifests. I have an energy envelope. If I exceed that envelope, um, I will end up in post-exertion malaise and post-exertion malaise is, wow, I'm so right. tired. I just can't move. Um, and that was happening from mid 2020 through, um, well through today, you know, but we hadn't really, we didn't really identify it for that mm-hmm. until mid 2022. Um, And uh, when I went to Gen Con and pushed too hard drawing in books and was physically unable to draw or to keyboard for six weeks, I injured my hand and my hand just wouldn't heal. And I was tired all the time. Yeah. And coming on the drive back from Gen Con, we didn't yet know how bad the hand was, but on the drive back from Gen Con, I bought a cane at a gas station, mm-hmm. um, you know, $15 wooden, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. wooden special. Um, and, and when we ran the A Little Immortality Kickstarter, we put a stretch goal in there for, you know, we will budget some accessibility tools for Howard. And those mm-hmm. included a very pricey uh, uh, electric um, uh, zero gravity chair. It's oh, the yeah, Gravis, yeah. the Gravis model from Human Touch. It's not one of those full, you know, cocoon massage chairs. It just looks like a. It's kind of a minimalist sort of recliner, but it has massage functions and heat functions, and most importantly, zero gravity functions where it gets your knees up level with your heart. And I hate that it works. <laughs> you know how I, it is. When, when there's yes. a, a medication you need or a whatever that you need and you take it and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm better. I hate that that works. I, I'm glad I have it, but I hate that I need it. I, I, I run into things more of the, I hate I resisted doing a buying a thing assistive for so long when I should have. I, I as a reward for my promotion last year, I bought um, a uh, uh, 
what is this? This is the, uh, the secret labs chair, right? And I hate that I waited spending that long to get this chair that, because I sit in a chair all day long for work, for recording, for all that stuff. That's like an $1,100 chair, isn't it? Oh yeah. And well here, um, for the people at home, you're going to have to look it up online, but this is even the Witcher special edition. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because I can't see the the Pokemon special edition in the U S it's the back that kills me with both swords and the whole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's nice. And, and it's ridiculously comfortable and adjustable to the point where, yes, I sit all day long and I am now in a chair that is made for sitting in for hours on. And I'm like, why didn't I just buy a good chair to begin with instead of spending roughly the same amount of money over four years yep. on three different chairs, right? Or I'm still mad about the Apple Watch, right? It's, <laughs> um, which integrated with my diabetes tracker means now I've got like right here on my wrist all the time. I know what my blood sugar is. Why didn't I do that sooner? I don't know. Well, mostly the technology wasn't there, but why did I resist it for so long and try all these other less expensive things? But yeah, but I I understand. Yeah. yeah, That's one, that's one of the points that I want to make here is that advocacy for, for disability, for long COVID, for whatever else, Mm -hmm. begins with a willingness to talk about disability as a normal state. Disability is not a thing that happens to bad people. Disability is not itself bad. Managing disability with accessibility tools is not weakness. These are things, everybody's going to get old. I mean, Okay, only yeah. die young, Billy Joel. But um, <laughs> as you age, you are inherently less and less abled. Right. So, so a, with a broad brush, everybody ends up disabled. Everybody does. Own that, and and accept that, and you'll be happier sooner. Um, the Gravis chair that we got, it's a $5,000 mm. chair. Um, it's ah. the, the cocoon chairs are like 10 to 12,000. The Holy crap. Yeah. The, oh my goodness. And I've, I've sat in one and they're pretty amazing, but the, that was not what I needed. I just needed to get mm-hmm. my knees up and I needed to get, and it needed to be comfortable so that I could spend time in it. Um, we realized when I, when I got my use of my hand back and I started, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I was able to finish the XDM books, my drafting table and my $500 Herman Miller Aeron chair were yeah. no longer comfortable enough. I would sit Ooh. and work for an hour and then be exhausted. And right. that was bad and it was scary. And so we started uh, this spring, we started building, I say this spring, it's been more recent than that. It was May mid-May that I bought a C-stand. Uh, oh. uh, a C-stand is, uh, they're common in Hollywood. You, If you mm-hmm. Google it, uh, letter yeah, C yeah, yeah. hyphen stand. Um, C-stand is a tripod where the, the feet uh, come off in these L shapes and they're mm-hmm. very heavy. And I got a C-stand for like 140 bucks with a big boom on it and was able to put my tablet on the end of the boom um, 
I've I've since mounted a uh, a lamp on top of it. I've got magnets running up and down the boom that I've taped to it with black tape, and I've even taken a sharpie and colored the horn <laughs> edges so it looks <laughs> it looks really spiffy, even though it's just tape. Right. Um, I mean, the magnets stick because it's steel, but I don't right. want them to pull off. And then hanging from the magnets, I've got a, uh, it's not in here with me, but I've, I've got uh, the case for my uh, extra glasses. I've got the little wrench for adjusting uh, both pairs of glasses. I've got the salt shaker for when someone brings me food while I am sitting in the chair. And yes, I glued a little magnet to the top of the camping salt shaker so that it would stick, <laughs> so it would stick to the boom. So it's not sitting at a table next to me because the table next to me, when I'm sketching in books, that's where the books need to land. I can't have food right. there. I can't have anything there. That's a workspace. And so the, the boom on the C stand has a blood pressure cuff magnet mounted because I got to take my blood pressure every day because if you don't, high blood pressure and an aneurysm or a stroke or whatever sneak up on you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I am familiar with this, this it's, yes, concern. This yeah. Whole, it's this whole thing. And once we really began wrapping, uh, wrapping some effort around it and it began with the techno cane project, mm-hmm. which uh, I showed you before we began recording right, right. We can talk about it in a bit. Um, before that, Everything was a budgeted struggle. You know, how do I feel this morning? What can I get done? Yeah. When I sat down in the chair and started sketching in books and working on the tablet, I realized very quickly. I mean, once we'd once we'd gotten some of the nuances of how do I get this yeah. drawing table to sit flat in my lap? How do I get this tablet to not unscrew itself while I'm adjusting <laughs> oh, God, it. Yes. Lots of little complaints like that. Um, I can work for hours again. And that's not a thing that I had before. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, because my knees are higher than my heart. My body doesn't need to work as hard to keep the drawing platform. I've described, you know, right. moving a pen at the end of your hand is a little bit like, like a giant gantry system moving a tiny little thing with precision because your hand is at the end of a wrist is at the end of an elbow at the end of a shoulder attached to a spine attached to your ass attached to a pair of legs that stomp down on the ground and hold you square. And people think, Oh, drawing's easy, buddy. Drawing is a full body exercise. And by doing it in the zero gravity chair, Oh, the gantry is now braced against the back of the chair and I'm, mm-hmm. I can do it for longer. And I hate that I need it. I hate that it works so well that <laughs> I know I can't get by without it, but I love that I have it because without it, I am, yep. I am a disabled person who is disabled to the point that I can no longer work. And that would drive me bananas. Yep. And and I would like to to point out for <clears throat> just because I, I think it's important that uh, you and I are in a very privileged position in that we're able to get these devices. We're able to, uh, you know, for us, yes, we're like, that's very expensive. 
Whereas for many of the listeners, many of the people who require these things, that is so far out of reach. And we as a society need to be better about making these accessibility enhancements and devices available to people who otherwise would find them out of reach. Well, the nice thing about what I built is that mm-hmm. the the $5,000 chair, yeah, that's out of reach. That'd be out of reach of me if we hadn't put it as a Kickstarter stretch goal and people been, right. people been generous with it. Uh, Timber Ridge sells a zero gravity lawn chair and we got two of them at Costco for 80 bucks. Um, ah. 80 bucks. Now, if you've got a, if you've got a disability, if you've got medicines, if you've got doctor's appointments, 80 bucks fits inside the budget of healthcare. You know, it, it typically doesn't break the bank. It's, a week's worth of groceries for a human, yeah. but it's it's not a $5,000 chair. It's now accessible. Um, that $80 chair, uh, I, I sat down in it the very first time and realized, oh my goodness, this is doing what the $5,000 chair does. It won't give me a massage. It's not heated. Right. It's not electric. The back isn't adjustable. So if I need to be sitting up a little bit, I have to put some pillows behind me. But that will work with the $140 C-stand. And, and I can now build, for literally for like 250 bucks. you can build something that lets you sit and have a screen in front of you and a keyboard in the lap. And sitting in the chair is not hurting you. And I know a lot of right. people who listen are probably like, yeah, my chair hurts. I need a better chair. Yeah, you need a better chair. If you yeah, sit in no. it all day, um, you need a better yeah. chair. No, I, I, I'm I, also very fortunate in the company I work for has a whole ergonomics-like thing with HR and is like, if you need these things, here's a $1,000 that you will be reimbursed for your home office because we're 100% remote. So, you know, it's very important that, you know, we have these things and they have a whole, you know, there's, there's whole guides on it that again, aren't necessarily available to the general public or the people who may necessarily need them. It's just one of those nice perks of working for a company that's aware of this sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying Um, to remember what the book was, uh, And I'm I'm googling it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the links for this episode are going to be awesome. I'm just saying. Yeah, they are. Well, this this is not a book I'm actually recommending to people. It's why did uh. you do that to me? Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, no, the book. Yep. It, it's a famous book. It's called Peopleware. Um, first published in '87. Um, so yeah, this book is 45 years old. Um, one of the things that came out in that book, there were a couple of big companies in the 1940s, 1950s, um, in the beginning of what we call the knowledge worker era, and they were budgeting office space. And one of them had people packed pretty tightly at desks and was Mm -hmm. using, using the old, uh, using the old factory floor model for knowledge workers. 
And right. the other company uh, started putting people in cubicles and spreading them out a little bit. And okay, we don't like cube farms, but cube farms are way better than a great big empty open seating plan where you're shoulder to shoulder with other people and there's an overhead PA happening all the time. Any point is, yes, these companies took very different paths. I don't remember the name of the factory floor company. The other company was IBM. And IBM went on to dominate the industry for 40 oh, yeah. years. And the point that was made by Peopleware and which comes up in discussion all the time and I'm going to I'm going to restate the principle you are the most expensive piece of equipment at your desk by oh, far. Yeah. Um, okay, maybe if you are the skipper of a nuclear sub, may, maybe maybe not. But but still, for for most of us, you are the most expensive piece of equipment behind your desk. If there is something on your desk, it might be a five hundred dollar thing on your desk, and if it's not serving you. It needs to be replaced. And oh, yeah. making that clear to your employer is super difficult. But employers who understand that mm-hmm. retain their employees and, oh, yeah. and get stuff done. Um, and that's that's the stance that we had to take here in the house. Um, I mean, it's obvious that I'm the most expensive piece of equipment. <laughs> I'm the bottleneck for so many things. Anything yeah, yeah. we can do to make to make my part flow better, um, we do. And, and there's a temptation, especially among younger artists, younger creatives, to muscle through the impoverishedness of, oh, you know, I have a crap studio. I, my chair is crap. My desk is crap. I've got some good pens. I've got good paints, whatever. But I'm going to muscle through this. And I'm going to be fine. Yeah, you're probably yeah. going to be fine, but you're going to hit 30 at some point and 30 is going to hit back and say buy me a chair. Yes. Oh yeah. Um or what was it what was it uh um a, my ex brother-in-law uh, was like he is a fitness guy, he is physical, he was a, a you know, amateur weightlifter competing and his exact words were, everything was great until I hit 35, and then everything started falling apart. Right? So, yeah, no, it's, it is, you, you have to, if you don't start sooner in getting all of these in place, it's much harder to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, honestly, the, I now have, you know, the, the cases where it's like, yes, you are, 40 years old and now you've got carpal tunnel because you didn't take those steps years ago, a whole other problem. Right. So, Oh, oh carpal know. tunnel is incredibly expensive. Yes. Incredibly yeah. expensive. Um, I find that, uh, I don't have carpal tunnel, but, uh, every so often I'll be drawing and my drawing hand will go numb. Well, yep. I know what that is. That's thoracic mm-hmm. outlet. And it means that mm-hmm. my back is out of alignment my shoulder is tired, my arm is tired, and things have relaxed or tensed, or a mixture of relaxing and tensing, and yeah. it impinged a nerve. And the solution is stop trying to work. Because when you try to work while a nerve is impinged, you begin damaging the nerve. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that doesn't heal. 
yeah. and and these are the sorts of these are the sorts of dumb things that you you learn about your body by paying attention to it. And it'd be better if we learned it young. Um, <laughs> yes. Young people don't want to be told that things are going to start failing. No. Well, and even when you're told things are going to start failing as a former young person, you have a tendency to either say not to, not on me or, um, or the, the absolute disbelief that you will ever reach that age. So, <laughs> Yeah, two key rules for being an old man. Yeah. Um, never, never thoughtlessly walk past the bathroom. Yes. Never trust a fart. Yes. And I hate that that's true, but um, as someone who has, as a conscious fully aware adult, both pissed and shat himself because he couldn't be troubled to get out of his chair and take care of business. I'm here yeah. to tell you, uh, getting old is its own special hell, but it's also, it's, I, I wouldn't trade it for not getting old. Yeah, no, I, I, it beats the alternative and um, I will, Never forget, uh, I was on my way out of the uh, out of the, one of the grocery stores, and this significantly older gentleman was on his way. And I said, "You know, how you doing?" Just that sort of friendly thing. And he just goes, "By any day above ground is a good day." Yeah. And I've just tried to work that in because, man, there's so much truth there. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's. Uh... There's a there's a uh, children's song that uh, we we sing all the time in the uh, uh, Latter Day Saint Church. Uh, Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Um, it will surprise. Just you spend a little bit of time each day being grateful for the things that have gone right, and oh, yeah. it it makes a huge difference. Um. One of the things that I want to provide in the liner notes, by the way, is I want to talk about the the parts list and with oh, some yeah. photographs for the the Technocane project. Um, I went to it was early May. I did a recording, uh, remote recording session, set of sessions mm -hmm. with the Writing Excuses crew, and you know had to fly down, uh, spent yep. four days with them, and then had to fly back. Um, and I had my cane, my folding cane with me the whole time mm -hmm. um, and realized, yeah, it's pretty important that I have this with me. It's pretty important. And Murray Robinette yeah. said, you should ask for wheelchair service at the airport. I said, well, I can walk just fine with the cane. She said, you, no, you should ask for wheelchair service. When we oh, flew yeah. out, uh, Mary Robinette, we were flying in a different direction, but we checked in at the same time. And she made sure that I got wheelchair service. I am here to tell you that for the chronic fatigue sufferers, for anybody who's got long COVID, who finds themselves out of breath after a little bit of exertion, go ahead and own this. Get the oh, wheelchair yeah. service at the airport. Buy a cane and walk with it because having something to lean on is super useful and walking with a cane signals to the people around you. I'm moving slowly because I'm disabled. 
And we can talk at great length about how yeah. our society does not properly oh. respect age or disability or whatever else. But culturally, within the context of an airport, people will swing wide. People will ask you if you need mm-hmm. help with things. Um, at one point, I was walking with a cane and the scooter, or not the scooter, you know, the little mini bus that drives up and down yeah. the, the uh, stopped next to me and said, you know, do you, do you need a ride, sir? Oh, nope. I am like 10 steps from where I'm going. But, but thank you for the offer. Um, if there is one thing that a long COVID sufferer can do, uh, especially a young person to improve their life, it is get a cane and own it. Keep it with you because it, it will give you, it will give you energy and it will make resources available to you that you didn't know you had. Yes. So that was the big change was taking that uh, mm-hmm. wheelchair service in the airport. And then I got home and thought, I should, I should see about upgrading my cane. I had this dream yes. of having one of the grabby sticks. Grabby stick. Oh yeah, I see one cane. behind you, actually. Yes. Yes, there's a <laughs> there's a grabby stick on the wall behind me. There's a grabby mm-hmm. stick over. The, they're both out of reach, which means I need a grabby stick to grab them. Get the grabby stick. Um. <laughs> so I had envisioned grabby stick attached to cane, and but I didn't know how the attach points would work. And one thing led to another. And I asked people on Twitter, Hey, would a photographer's monopod work as a cane? Has anybody tried this? And the response was, no, that'll work. They won't hold enough. No, they're not. They're not built for that. Not stay. Hang on. Has anybody tried this? That's what I'm asking. And the answer was, well, no, nobody would try it because, because that's dumb. Oh, shut up. I'm performing an experiment now. Bought a monopod. (laughs) Uh, shortened it to be the right length for a cane, turned the handle to be right. It was the A555L from Manbilly, M-A-N-B-I-L-Y. And I could not put enough weight on that to collapse it um, without injuring my hand. I mean, I could, I, I put all of my weight on it to the point that, to the point that the handle which is a nice round thing was biting into my, I'm like, okay, there is no way that this is going to collapse on me. Um, The nice thing about a photography monopod is that it led me into this whole arena where I discovered three eighths, three eighths dash 16 and one quarter dash 20 bolt attach points and all of the myriad things you can affix oh, yeah. other things once you go that route. And my cane had three attach points on it, and one thing led to another. And we'll post pictures and parts yeah, yeah. in the liner note. Like a parts list, yeah. Uh, and that was the point that I realized, you know, as the bits box began growing, I realized, man, it'd be cool if my cane, if I could like extend it and use it to support the Surface Pro but I would need a base for it. And I don't think I can do what's a C stand. I'm going to go look at a C stand <laughs> at the photography shop, looked at the C stand and realized, Oh my goodness, that's going to work. There's a reason Hollywood's been hanging great big light fixtures off that. And a C stand has the same attach points on it. And Oh yeah. And uh, 
as a photographer, and I need to start, I need to get a monopod because I've got the family hand tremor. So it's getting harder to take yep. photos without them jiggling. Um, you know, I, I understand why they are so durable and whatever. Cause if you're on the side of a, um, of a mountain in a strange place and you have a very expensive camera, you do not want, you know, with the, Oh my God, do you know how much birder lenses cost? Like the <laughs> oh no. lenses. Oh no. So yeah, no, like I, I keep saying, Aerosol's like, can you get a picture of that? I said, not with this piece of glass, not with the digital enhancement. And it's like, yeah, that's a $3,000 lens. And, you, and it's this long and weighs yeah, 20 and pounds. It's, and she says, and it's this long and it weighs 20 pounds. Hi, um, Ursula. Yes. she. Yeah. she. For the people at home, she just leaned in and said hi. Um, but, and, and you don't want to drop that. You don't want that to slip. And you can't, you know, you can't just heft that up and take pictures all the time. And so you want something sturdy, durable, and it's not going to collapse in any circumstance. Right. And that's what they're designed and the monopods double as hiking poles yes and if you've got a hiking pole uh yeah if i'm going down a hill or up a hill in order to find the right place to take a picture that sucker needs to take my weight oh yeah and now the reason that monopods are not marketed as canes is Mm -hmm. that the moment you say cane you are talking about a medical device and medical devices come with a whole suite of testing and certification and whatever yep. else. And Manbilly is probably a cheapo Chinese company. I have no idea, but they are not interested in spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for certification to reach into a secondary market. Yeah. Yeah, when uh, photographers are quite frankly, for a good piece of equipment that will do all of that, are are willing to pay the the fee on that. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, thinking of accessibility devices and things that make our lives easier. Um, I just found out, and this makes my life easier. Um, that the flow mask. Are you familiar with the flow mask? Um, I think so. That's. Uh... Is that the valved? It's not valved. I actually, mine is just right here, so I won't forget to grab it next time I leave the house. It's the, um, here we go, it's the mask with the removable filter media. Just snaps apart and you can replace the filter media. Um, They just achieved KN95 certification. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so... I mean, they were like, yeah, we're KN95. We're just not officially certified. We we can pass all the tests. Now they actually have the certification. Um, and a good breathable mask is important for all sorts of reasons, not just in an accessibility standpoint, but man, is it helpful from an accessibility standpoint, you know, since uh, in about, from the time of recording, in about, I guess, two weeks, three weeks, when Ursula starts chemo, she's immediately immunocompromised. Right. And everybody's got to be masking. Everybody's got to be masking. Yeah. And so um, having a good, certified, easy to clean and update and all of that KN95 mask is going is incredibly important. Um, And, you know, if also for the long COVID sufferers, again, this is a $60 mask. 
This is not inexpensive compared to, you know, a 10 pack of disposables, but, you know, for long-term use, again, sometimes you have to make that trade-off. It's uh, what the Terry Pratchett, uh, Sam Vimes uh, boots, the discussion of, uh, oh, discussion yes. of boots, how, you know, a poor person has to spend, you know, 10 bucks on a pair of boots every year and a rich person spends 50 bucks on a pair of boots and they last for 10 years. And yes. the rich person spends less on boots than the poor person does. And it is, it is a difficult bind to be in when you are looking at accessibility oh, yeah. stuff and realizing, wow, I can't afford to get the thing that will last. So I have to get the thing that's going to charge me money again in six months. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a difficult bind to be in. Yeah. And it's, it's a, a constant trade-off. Yep. Not just with... Uh, especially in particular uh, financial situations. Uh, you know, people need cars. Same thing. People need cars and all they can afford is the the low end. I know it's going to break, uh, you know, maybe the pre-owned, low end pre-owned that I know I'm either going to have to spend the same amount of money repairing over the course of the next five years or um, before I have to replace it or I get the newer thing that may not, that isn't as expensive that will last 15 before I have to start worrying about that level of repairs. Yeah. I had that argument with myself for years uh, over one particular vehicle um, before I finally, you know, traded it in. Um, but I got my money's worth out of that car. <laughs> 198,000 miles that's, before the, that's the head gasket good. cracked. Yeah. yeah that's good. <laughs> um. Anyway, but yeah, no, the, the, the Pratchett discussion with Vimes and the boots uh, is so relevant to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to get pictures and we're going to get a parts list. And I'm going to post all of that in the show notes you uh, for the techno cane. Um, anything is there, is there anything you've got attached to it that you people, nor, people wouldn't normally expect to be just that handy thing right there. Um, there are looking over at it. There are three pieces. Um, one is, I mean, the phone magnet. Once you put the the double ball joint and the, mm -hmm. you know, the elbow swivel and whatever, so that your phone and of course the phone needs a a case that's got the magnet on the back. Um, uh, it's obvious to everyone. Oh, having my phone on my cane would be nice because I mean, it's like having a phone on your dashboard for GPS when you're driving, you know, it's just, it's handy. Oh, yeah. Uh, handy for all. So that's, that's not a surprise. Um, the magnet on the other side of the handle, um, mm -hmm. and putting steel plates on the walls, um, in the, the image of me on camera, uh, under, uh, just behind the grabby that's behind me. You see that, Square mm -hmm. plate yeah, on yeah, the wall. Yeah, yeah. That's a steel plate, and the whole reason for that steel plate is so that I walk into the room and I dock my cane on the wall. Oh wow! Yeah. And here's what happens: I can't leave the room without seeing my cane, which means it's mm -hmm. going to be with me. And we have yes. put metal plates all over the house, 
so that my cane stays with me. And it sounds stupid, but it's one of those ADHD sorts of tricks. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You do the thing that makes you that makes you keep the tool in your pocket or that makes you keep the thing in Mm -hmm. the front of your mind or whatever. Um, So that piece was surprising. Um, I put a magnetic dock further down the shaft for Mm -hmm. a portable CO2 monitor. Oh yeah. Portable CO2 monitor is a way to create and understand I'm leveraging uh middle-aged white guy force of personality privilege here. Yes. Um, if I am in a restaurant and that thing shows, you know, 1,200, 1,500, 2,000 CO2, um, one, I shouldn't be in the restaurant anymore because I'm mildly immunocompromised. If I get sick, yes. I get post-exertion malaise. It wipes me out for a week. Um, right. But I can take my cane and, you know, old man my way over. Yes, I will lean into the cane a little bit and play that up. Old man my way over to the manager and hold up the monitor and say, you do not have enough fresh air in here. Are you ventilating? Are you, we are all breathing each other's air. You need to be aware of this. And it is a way to, it is a way to raise visibility for clean air. Uh, If there's one thing if there's one thing, there's a million things we should have learned from the pandemic. And one of those right. million things is monitoring indoor air quality. Uh, CO2 is the proverbial canary in the coal mine. If you're accumulating yep. CO2, you're breathing everybody is everybody else's exhalations. Yes, filtration can help, but you should be drawing in fresh air. And I, I have been astounded at... Um, I take a, a, a small portable CO2 monitor with me to shows. I have a concert problem. We're seeing how that is going to be impacted over the course of the next several months. Um, but even with really good ventilation, there is a venue I love. Um, but in the thick of the crowd, the density of CO2 is significantly higher than if I'm in the back or if I'm, yep. you know, in a, in a smaller crowd area. And so I, I have had to step away from, I must be against the stage and believe me, being an old man in the pit is uh, a whole other challenge. Right. But, um, or the old man near the pit, but having, you know, having that ability to stop and go, okay, I know I can hear just as well at that other spot and be better ventilated and have better yep. air is, you know, huge. Just huge. So yeah, having um, a CO2 monitor affixed to mm-hmm. the cane, uh, and because the cane is always with me, the CO2 monitor is always with me, and that is yes. important. Um, and yeah, the third piece is, and I'm embarrassed to call it by its name, it's the mm-hmm. old man handle. And that is what they call it on Amazon, which is really <laughs> it's and sexist, and I mean, it's just wrong on so many uh, non-binary kinds of ways. Um, yes, yes. It, it'll work for old women. It'll work for old transgendered people, old whatever. It'll work for young people. It's a handle halfway down the cane that uh, clamps, well, it sleeves onto the shaft. It's not a firm right. clamp, but when you fold the handle down, 
it locks in place. And so you have a low handle on the cane so that, and this is the only case where it applies to me, um, if I get down on the floor to play with the cat, I mm-hmm. can now climb the ladder back up my cane and be standing right. without having uh, without having strained anything. Um, if something falls on the floor, well, that's what it, that that's what other people in the house are for. That's what the gravity well, yeah. sticks are for. That's but what the, the gravity cat, sticks are. For. No, if I want to play with the cat, I'm not going to ask. So, hey, kid, will you play with the cat for me? No, 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 no. That's a thing I get to do. Yes, yes, that's. Uh... That is fair. Um, interesting question. Side note: We can cut it if you want. How many are still at home at this point? Both mine are gone. Us, it's great. There are five of us living in the house. Uh, right. My oldest daughter got married in uh, January of 2020, um, yes. and uh, she and her husband live with uh, her father-in-law, um, mm-hmm. just doing the basement apartment thing for now. Um, he works IT and, uh, yep. is very, very good at it. Um, the company, the, the company is kind of falling apart at the edges. They're in the solar market, which is very oh, disruptive. Yeah. Um, and, and every time there's a shakeup, somebody comes by his desk and says, dude, you're still here, right? Yeah. Which is a good place to be. So anyway, yeah, Kellyanna, Kellyanna uh-huh. is married and has, uh, has flown the coop. Um, my youngest, uh, Aiden, um, works for us at the warehouse. Uh, um, ah, yes. And, and so if, if the packages that people will be getting with schlock mercenary books in them, uh, will be packaged by yet another member of the, uh, Taylor clan. Um, and, and yeah, and the middle yeah. two, the, the middle two are doing their own things, um, but they still live at home. So there's five of us. And I mean, you know, my youngest, when he's not at school, he is here, right? He graduates next year. And we don't know what that is going to mean, whether he's going to go out and get his own place, whether he's going to have to stay here with us for a while while he gets that sorted. Um, but yeah, no, it's, but it's, that means you have that extra help. I'm going to probably miss having, that extra help around over the next couple months. Um, well, and but, one of the uh, most important things that you can do as a, mm-hmm. as, as some, if you have any sort of disability, long COVID, yes. MECFS, um, mm-hmm. just being sick. Uh, if yeah. there are people who live in the house with you, being able mm-hmm. to communicate with them and say, I am sick. I need help. This is the kind of help I need. Before I settled on the cane, I had told everybody in the house, look, we've discovered that I just sometimes run out of energy when I'm in the kitchen cooking. You like eating what I make. At times, I'm just going to yell chair and somebody drop what they're doing and bring me a chair. Well, fortunately, we've moved away from that because my stick is always with me. I have my stick with me in the kitchen and we have one of those timber ridge folding chairs over in the corner so I can go sit and recharge. Um, But everybody in the house knows that dad is disabled and Mm -hmm. periodically dad is going to ask you to do things that seem really stupid. Dad, you're closer to this than I am. Yes, I'm closer than you are, but it's on the floor and I'm not, and I won't 
So yes, and my grabby yeah. stick is across the room. Yeah, and it's gonna. It will take you thirty seconds. It will take me five minutes. Yeah, right, and require a lot of so energy. communication yeah, so. and mm-hmm. um, and you know if you raise your children right, which I'd like to think we have, if you raise yeah. them with love, if you raise them to be loving, if you are kind, then when they reach this age, they are kind. They are kind back. Yes, because you've been modeling that behavior for them for twenty years. Yes. Oh yeah. No. Uh, I am. I'm incredibly proud of my sons. I constantly have a. I wish I did a better job, but I think that's every parent. Um, but I can always look and say they are are kind. They are thoughtful, uh, and they are aware um, of the you know generally the needs of others, and that's you know uh, a lot more I, you can ask. Yeah. I mean, I looked at it from, from a certain point and said, all right, they are at a certain age. And about the only thing I can hope now is to make sure they're good roommates for other people later. So, you know, (laughs) if you manage to create a human who builds up the humans around them, then, then it doesn't matter if they're, if they went on to be a doctor or an astronaut or whatever. No good roommate. Yes. If if my kids end up being good roommate to someone who ends up being, you know, an astronaut who solves space cancer, then uh, I get credit. Yes. No. Uh, I mean, uh, my youngest is getting his degree in meteorology with a couple of other focuses. And so, you know, he's learning climate science. Um, that is a calling now. Yep. Right? That is a big deal. Uh, plus, it was worth it to watch him take apart every argument for um, climate change is not man-made at a family Thanksgiving with one of my relatives. Non-anthropogenic climate change. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was just fun to sit back and watch and go, oh, this is, this is, oh, this is painful. Look at him just tear that up. Oh, my. So, yeah. Uh, okay. So, we've talked about. The tools you're using now, we've talked about actually new habits. Um, is there, what What have we missed in all of that? Um, I mean, there are little things. What's a typical, but we're going through the eight questions. I assume your regular listeners are yes. familiar with the eight questions. Yes. And and so I'm, I'm kind of skipping because two and three have around. sort of merged into each other, which means it would, it would bring into what does a typical day look like if there's... You know, nothing else in the tools and um, habits. Typical and day used to look like, and it was, it was, you know, pre, yeah. pre all this used to look like up at five, uh, spend an hour centering myself by noodling on a video game while listening to scriptures on audiobook, And then right. I would be at work uh, drawing or writing or whatever from 630 until 8 p.m. with breaks in the middle for, you know, food yep. and, and, and whatnot. Um, now we've found I, even with the fancy chairs, I don't have that level of staying power. Um, my sleep mm-hmm. schedule is currently broken. Um, and so what my schedule, a typical day right now looks like, yep. let's log in the calendar what exactly happened today and let's troubleshoot the current problem 
I've been watching my sleep schedule on the Garmin yeah. and I'm like, nope, something's wrong. I gotta, I gotta adjust. I gotta reset. Um, the things that need to happen each day. Um, currently I need to be sketching in books. I need to be preparing things for the, the next book Kickstarter. Yep. Um, I need to be writing because there's this whole, uh, I would like to write novels and sell them thing that should be happening. Yeah. Um, but I got derailed from that with the hand injury last year. Um, oh, yeah. And so, so right now, a typical day looks like a whole bunch of decision points where I log what's happened so far and I ask myself, what do I have energy for next? Um, am I going to ask someone for help with food or am I going to make food? If I am going to burn some of my precious cycles making food, um, I either need to be making it so that I can feed me for multiple meals or I need to be feeding yeah. other people. And so I'm a lot more, I'm a lot more thoughtful about the eating than I used to be, uh, you know, on my way to the kitchen, uh, I'm poking people who's hungry, who's hungry. What do we want to mm -hmm. eat? Um, and so, yeah, there's decision points throughout the day. The day usually ends with me in the big chair, uh, maybe sketching quietly while watching a thing, maybe just watching a thing with Sandra. Um, yeah. The uh, speaking of watching things, um, you know what? Your fans don't need television recommendations from me, but I've found so many fun things recently. Um, Deadlock, oh, God. Yeah. Deadlock on Prime in particular is, not it is a that comedy, one. dark comedy murder mystery set in Australia with a cast full of uh, lesbians and women haters. Oh. Gods, that sounds like right up our alley. We have that whole cozy mystery thing. Like, we're into. Have you watched Broken Wood? Haven't watched Broken Wood, but Dead, watch Broken Wood. Dead L O C H. Uh, L O C H, like Loch. Okay, yes. There we go. Yeah, no that that goes on the list because it's 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 been fun. We did the the eighth and final. Now, how many episodes we got left? We have two more episodes left. It's an eight season or an eight episode season. There's two episodes right. yet to drop, um, and we're we're loving it. The point is, yeah. my schedule ends with you know mm -hmm. TV time, TV time, family time with Sandra, um, and then we uh, and then we yeah. start again. And the schedule continues to be trouble shot, and that is a thing. That is a skill that I learned back in my IT days. Is yes. to look at the end of a day and say, I didn't get much done. Where did I fail? I don't know where I failed. I didn't write down my calendar. Tomorrow, I'm going to keep track of my calendar. And the next day, you keep track of your calendar. You're like, oh, that's where it failed. I had a, I had mm -hmm. a one-hour meeting that ran to two hours that generated a bunch of pointless tasks that I spent another hour on. And then there was only an hour left in the office, and that's not enough time left for me to get into the zone. And, right. uh, and so done. Um, and learning to see that, learning, you don't learn to see that unless you chart it, unless you track it. Yeah, no, no, no. Tracking, uh, especially in the IT industry, tracking is a huge thing. There was a, a 
famously, as everyone started to move into the DevOps space and into the um, site reliability engineering space in, uh, I guess, at the beginning of last decade, um, when Netflix was making the big splash about, look at how we're running things, massive services without significant amounts of hardware and no outages, you know, it was measure everything. Measure everything, every data point you can get, because you can use that to find not just the trouble spots as they happen, but you can use it to make things more efficient. If you don't have the data, you can't ask, answer the question when it's eventually asked. Yep. Right. And there are things that um, you learn. There are things that you learn about yourself when you track your calendar that you you didn't even know it was a question. You couldn't even ask the question, and then you look at the right. data and you are able to ask and answer the question and something changes and your life gets better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a, it's, you can even do that tracking. That sort of tracking is built into, uh, I know Max and all the Apple devices, uh, the screen time function, you can tell it just to record and tell you where you're spending your time. Yep. It's yeah. I learned that in the, about that in the building a second brain course last year. Um, Okay, so we'll get to failure in a minute because you said something very interesting there. But first, um, let's talk about advice. What advice would you give people these days? And have you been given any advice that's been particularly important since the last time we talked? Um, the most critical pieces of advice I've gotten mm -hmm. have been pieces of information related to MECFS uh, long COVID that mm -hmm. allowed me to contextualize the symptoms that I was experiencing so that I was able to finally come to the conclusion that, you know, I don't have a pulmonary disorder. I right. don't have, I, I have, we don't know the exact mechanism, micro clots preventing O2 uptake, yeah. you know, my blood saturation uh, O2 saturation is always fine, but for some reason I'm out of breath. Well, that's consistent with the muscles are not able to get the oxygen because the microclotting right. is in the way, blah, blah. The point is listening to people who suffer the symptoms that I suffer from and paying attention to what they do, uh, that has been invaluable. I can't pass that on without offering your listeners unsolicited medical advice. But I've That's already fair. offered yeah, you yeah. unsolicited medical advice, which is grab a cane. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, if you uh, absolutely. If you need an assistive, assistive device, buy it, own it. I believe is, is a thing that has been consistent through this conversation. Well, if you uh, have long COVID... If you have, yes. if you've slowed down as a result of getting sick, you probably don't think you need a cane. Just spend 10 bucks, 15 bucks on a gas station stick and try it and lean on it. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I love, I, I, I am so internalizing the, uh, everyone gets old, just own it. Uh, <laughs> that we talked about earlier. Yes. All right, now comes the uh, comes the the fun one. 
that we have alluded to already, and that is um, you talked about where did I fail? And so how are you dealing with failure uh, and missing uh, goals now? Um, I have a much different outlook on failure than I used to have. Uh, the, you know, maximum 70 in the Schlock mercenary universe. Oh yeah. Failure is not mandatory or failure is not an option. It's mandatory. The option is whether or not you let failure be the last thing you do. Um, for me, any failure that did not come with some sort of serious setback, Mm -hmm. not actually a failure. It's just, it, it's a place where the process needs to change. It's, it's a data point. Um, you know, when I, when I injured myself and couldn't sketch in XDM books for six weeks, couldn't write for six weeks. Well, yes, in one sense, there was a failure there in that I, I, I did wrong by myself and I paid the price for it. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was not an insurmountable failure. I went on to, you know, I taught myself how to heal my own hand because the hand doctor was useless. That's its own story. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I mean, I asked him, I asked him, look, would a steroid shot help? He said, yes, but I have to put a steroid shot between each finger. Yeah. Well, that'd be miserable. You'd lose use of your hand. I've already lost. (laughs) Why are we having this conversation? My failure there was that that's not what I said to him. I only got one shot and I should have gotten four. Um, Four, yeah. Anyway, uh, I was able to get all the books sketched. Did we fail? Mm -hmm. Well, we failed to meet our original deadline, but everybody got their stuff. Failure would be, I'm sorry, I can no longer draw. Everybody's getting, you know a stamp and a print and uh, yeah, whatever yeah, in there, yeah. that would feel like, that would feel like failure. Um, and so how do I deal with, how do I deal with a failure to meet an expectation I set for myself? Well, I reset the expectation and I evaluate what went into the expectation to determine whether I was working with bad data or whether I was, you know, emotionally overreaching, or whether there was something that happened outside of my control um, that you know that that altered things. Uh, I, but according to the new definitions, I don't fail very often. I misstep right. all the time. I fall down, metaphorically speaking, all the time. But I know how to get back up. I've budgeted for these sorts of missteps. I've learned how to learn from them. And every time it happens, it's an opportunity to improve something so that maybe it doesn't happen again. Um, yeah. And that's the, I, I feel like knocking on wood. Yeah. And an, ac- an actual, you know, honest to godly disastrous sort of failure may await in my future and my outlook may change, but for now. But for, yeah. No. I, I, and I'm looking at how you describe that. And in the back of my head, I'm chuckling because the, 
my first thought was you could take the man out of IT, but you can't take IT out of the man. And well, we collect the data and then we analyze it. And then it's just like, oh, this is like I was saying, that's what I do all day long, right? So, um, so on the other side of that particular attitude, do you celebrate your successes? And if so, how? Um, yeah, that's a tricky question. You know, I remember years ago at the, uh, you know, when our, a Kickstarter would fund, we'd go out for sushi. Right. Um, you know, we'd have a little party when a good thing happened. Um, nowadays, uh, you know, grocery store sushi, which is actually just fine if you let it stand on the counter in its container for about half an hour so that it, it comes up from refrigerator temperature to room it temperature. depends on which grocery store you get it, it from, it, that's, Yeah, there's a... Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but uh, grocery store sushi will often happen, or pizza will happen, or whatever will yeah. happen. When... I have failed to have enough energy during the day. I'll get to the, get to a certain point in the evening and say, Sandra, I need food. You need food. I can't cook. Can you cook? You probably can't cook. Um, I'm not going to ask the kids to feed us. What should we do? And, and so this thing that used to be, you know, a sometimes celebration, we'd never celebrate with grocery store sushi is now something, you know, Let's order pizza tonight because nobody can cook today. Um, oh yeah, no. What are the totally new What are here. the new yeah. celebrations? The new celebrations, I think, for me, are allowing myself to say, "Hey, I did enough today. I'm not going to try to work anymore. I am just going to relax." And that may seem like really old man boring. But it's uh, it is a reward that I give myself, even though that even though the spreadsheet has a whole bunch of red squares in it that still need check boxes. If I got enough done today, I will allow mm-hmm. myself to celebrate that by stopping and doing I, something else. No, that's I, I, I have noticed I mean, that's the, the two things on that are, yes, I understand not having enough energy, whether it's following the spoon theory, the, the, you know, however you want to phrase that. I understand not having enough energy for the, I have to cook dinner now, mostly because in our house, I'm the cook. Yeah. I do not ask Ursula to cook. I will get ramen. Um, it's not, not her that's thing. Fine. She has yeah. always... Yeah, she's always lived with someone who knew how to cook, so she never learned, um, which is hysterical. But it's like, yeah, I don't have the energy to cook. Do you want to just DoorDash? Do you want to just order pizza? You know, that's that's a thing that just happens. Um, I myself am really bad about not about saying I've done enough. I need to relax. Um, but Ursula has gotten so much better over the last year of I made my word count. I'm actually ahead of word count. So you know what? Uh, I'm going to take today and play video games. Yep. Right. That's, you know, it, that is a form of celebrating, you know, successes, especially when your success 
on any given day is I got done what needed to be done. Yeah. Um, spoon yeah. theory, spoon theory is fascinating yeah. with regard to post-exertion malaise. Um, in mm-hmm. that, uh, the mental health model of spoon theory is, you know, Oh, I'm out of spoons. I just can't. The post-exertion right. malaise version of spoon theory is by the way, the last spoon in the stack is attached to the pin of a grenade. If you spend it, then tomorrow you don't get any spoons, you get shrapnel. Right. And right. learning that lesson has been has been critically important. And that's one of the reasons why one of the reasons why I work less is that mm-hmm. when I feel myself when I feel myself getting to the edge, when I feel it's like, oh, I just can't. I don't say I just can't before I actually or when I actually can't. I say it a little ahead of time because that last spoon is attached to the pin of a grenade and I would rather have spoons than shrapnel tomorrow. Yes. Um, And also for those of us who aren't dealing with things of that nature, it's much better to say spell slots because I can take a short rest and get spell slots back. Right. I can take a long rest and get spell slots back. Yeah. It's, very different for people who are in, you know, if all of your, for you, there's no, there's not necessarily an equivalent, except that I get, you know, uh, yeah, you've, you've, you've hit that last one and now you lose a level, right? Yeah. To keep it in D and D speak. Right. So the yeah. nice thing about the chair, about the fancy chair mm-hmm. is that I've found on a couple of occasions you know, middle of the day, I'm like, oh, I just can't forget it. I'm calling it and I'll sit in the chair and start watching TV. And then around 8 p.m., I'm like, I feel pretty good. I got shit yeah. to do. I, oh, oh, hey, standing and sitting in normal people furniture was burning spell slots. And this qualified yeah. short rest. And hey, look at that. Now I can, yeah. now I can cast. Uh, make a desktop wallpaper in Photoshop. <laughs> yes, exactly. That, by the way, that's exactly. now that's a cantrip now. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's a point where that becomes a cantrip, and and it's now yeah, it's it's more like now I cast um, uh, you know, full page spread for backers, right? Yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, now, since the last time we talked. Uh, we made a change, a big change, okay. I guess, as it were. We stopped taking money. We stopped asking our listeners for money. Um, we decided uh, early 2021 that, and and we continue to be in a good place, despite all the things life has thrown at us, we're in a good place and we don't need it anymore. So we started to ask our guests for um, places that our listeners can give money to instead of to us, because there are so many people out there who need it way more than we do. And so, uh, you know, where would you like our listeners to send money to, to give money, to donate money, to make the world a better place as it were, I would instead start, of giving it to us. I would start mm-hmm. with your local food bank. Because nothing is going to, nothing is going to raise the ambient level of 
non-misery, like doing away with some of the hunger. Uh, oh yeah, local absolutely. Food, local food banks, local food banks uh, tend okay. to be really good about uh, you know the whole overhead versus delivery uh, thing. You can oh, go yeah. to, you can go to give.org and look up mm-hmm. whatever your local food bank is and see if they uh, see if they're yeah. accredited or whatever else. If you're worried about that kind of thing, um, for my own part, uh, um, we, we contribute to meals, um, uh, through our church each month, but, uh, mm-hmm. with what's called the fast offering program. Um, but feeding people is, Oh yeah. Is, is the big one. Once they're not, hungry, and you mean, one, right. one, and when you say oh, go meals, you mean meals on wheels? Meals on wheels or food bank or whatever. Things yeah. where things where people who need food can go yes. and get the help, can go and get the help that they need. Um, there yes. is, uh, yeah, just... We've talked a lot about food this episode, so... I, well, I, it's... it. Uh, food is... How do I phrase this? Food is actually one of the, and I've seen uh, several things that discuss this. Food is one of the central, like, gathering points of our societies, even our social um, structures. Uh, I read a fantastic book about the impact of cookbooks on spreading the suffrages message. And the use of food to bring that awareness to uh, uh, to communities um, in that you know oh hey I can we can put in a, a, you know some messages about why it's important for women to vote that they will read while they're cooking a souffle yeah. or you know, this fantastic recipe, there's a, a whole structure around it. Uh, I will link the book title cause I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, there's a whole sort of, um, uh, when we talk about the depression, we think about, you know, people migrating because of the dust bowl and all of these things. But this was a time where food was centrally important and, the reasoning you hear today about not feeding people is the same reasoning people were giving during the depression when people were literally starving because there was no food and there was no money because of the dust bowl. It's yeah. there is, there is just a big turn. Food is part of what makes humans humans and sharing is when we yeah. talk about, you know, when, when I talk to someone uh, wait, having a conversation with you, for instance, and saying, yeah. hey, Kevin, I look forward to when we can get together and, and break bread together. Or, yes. you know, Kevin, yes. I'd like the opportunity to buy you a drink. Shared food is, yeah. is, a, is a cultural touchstone. The villain mm-hmm. in the 2006 Speed Racer movie had one oh of my the God, very yes. best lines. He says it in German, and I can't pronounce it correctly. And then he says pancakes are love and it's goofy and villainous the way he says it. But let's think about this for a moment. When you make a big old stack of pancakes and put out the butter and the syrup for the 
people who, gosh, I hope your listeners are not all gluten intolerant because now it's sad. Yeah, but you no, get but... it. It's this. You you put out this spread and it is love and yeah and yeah fighting hunger, but also uh, there is there is love to be had when we eat food together. So make sure people yes. have food. Yeah. No, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And hey, that's everything. That's all eight questions. That's all eight questions. So, where can we find you? On I mean, I kind of know this, but let's let's for the people who are listening who may not know who you are before this moment and having to go back and listen to the other one. Where can we find out more online? About uh, you can you find and your work? you can find my. And again, I say this yes. fully unironically. You can find my magnum opus at schlockmercenary.com, um, uh, patreon.com slash schlockmercenary uh, is one way for you to support us. You can find me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash Howard Taylor. Um, and, and you can find, if you go to howardtaylor.com, um, you can find wherever I will be after the apocalypse shakes out or Right. Who knows, who knows what social media will look like in two years? Um, uh, two hours, two months. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, if there's one thing I've done reasonably well, it's maintain mm-hmm. uh, maintain some digital spaces, some some digital real estate, so that people can find me. HowardTaylor.com, SchlockMercenary.com. Um, Go and enjoy. Go, yes, and and uh, as as someone who has read all twenty years worth, it is it is worth starting at the beginning of Schlock Mercenary and just clicking one day at a time. Even if, like I did, to catch up, I think this was in twenty ten. To catch up, I started like the very first one and would get through about a month's worth a day, and just night after night that was my evening thing was was getting caught up on schlock mercenary to 2010 and then just keeping up from there so absolutely well, bless you you're not going to get those months back uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it's okay um kevin that was been, worth it. this has yeah. been a pleasure um yes blessings upon you and upon uh ursula I I don't envy you the current round of challenges you face, but I look forward to learning about how you face them because you are good and amazing people with things to teach. And you're going to make me cry, dude. You're going to make me cry right here on the podcast. Thank you so much. And, you know, it's it's just been, uh, it's always great to catch up. And uh, anytime you want to come back, even if it's just to tell the listeners about this new cool thing you're making and discovered or new tool or whatever, you know, you know where to email me. Or I know how to find you. Let's be real. Yeah. You'll know, you know, to ask Sandra to email me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and it, and, um, Yeah, and for the people at home, we will be right back after this.
And we are back. You know, it's always great to talk to Howard and Sandra, who we will be talking to next week. So big thanks to the Taylors for taking the time to catch up. It was, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and we'll, like I said, we'll talk to Sandra next week. So even there will be pretty awesome. All right. You want our word for this week. Our word for this week is mandatory failure. All one word, no spaces, mandatory failure. And that will get you a badge. Now, the reason I chose that is because not only is it pretty much a summary of uh, the Schlock Mercenary Maxim 70, which is, you know, one of the guiding principles between before bah, the guiding principles for one of our questions, but it's the title of the next Schlock Mercenary book, which should be kickstarting in the next month, month and a half. I'm going to include a link so you can bookmark that in the show notes. So take man- the code mandatory failure, go to productivityalchemy.com, put it into the little activity code box, and you'll get a badge, a really cool badge, a badge that I am going to, as soon as I'm done recording, go make in an image editing program just for you, just for this show. While you're there on productivityalchemy.com, you can get the show notes. Uh, I'm going to link a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know if I'll have the full parts lists for Howard's super duper techno cane, but uh, I will do my best to at least link to some of the discussions around it so you can see it as it has been happening. It's so cool. Um, you can also find past episodes, you can claim other badges, you can look at the show notes from prior things, you can look at Ursula's biography, you can look at my biography, you can search for particular guests, and oh hey, there's even a link where you can see most of the charities that we have supported in the past or have asked you to support in the past, right? There's no more forbidden link to support us. We don't need the money. We don't want the money. I took that link off the website just for that very reason. So there's no longer a forbidden link on the website. Instead, what you should do at Howard's suggestion is you should go give some money to your local food bank. You should uh, give some money through give.org or contribute to your local Meals on Wheels program, uh, all of which are incredibly important in making sure people get fed and people get cared for in this world that we live in. So yeah, that is it for this week. Uh, We should be back next week, both of us, uh, Ursula and myself. And in the meantime, while she is resting and recovering, which is productive, cannot say that enough. I want you to also go out there and do your best to stay productive, no matter what that looks like. The moment for me, it looks like petting the cat that's sitting on my desk.